Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you want to be sure to never miss an episode of the podcast, I encourage you to follow us using your favorite podcast software. Our listener supports uh, campaign continues. You can become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month just by going over to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for this week's episode of Philo Vance. The original air date, February the 14th, 1950, and the title is The Scarface Murder Case. Really, Vance, don't you think you're being a little obvious? Don't you think she rates it, Markham? <laughs> Have you ever seen a more beautiful woman? You've been staring at her for an hour. Is our foremost private investigator doing some really private investigating? That is a leading question, Markham. <laughs> the district attorney should know better than to prompt a witness. Besides, you haven't conceded that she's beautiful. I concede. <laughs> Oh, she's much prettier than that, my friend. <laughs> Besides, I'm certain she's been trying to attract my attention. Vance, she's dining with a gentleman. Both of them seem to me to be minding their own business. Are you sure you're not using a little hopeful imagination? Quite. Do you know the man she's with by any chance? No, I don't. Fact is, I can't make out his face very well. You can see a scar on it. I imagine he's about 40. And he's relatively bald and quite stocky. There's something familiar about him. And there's something very lovely about his blonde companion. Yes, there is. I think she's... Markham, did you see that? Did I see what? They're leaving. And I could swear she indicated she wanted me to follow her. You intend to go after her? Yes. Vance, wars have been fought over less. <laughs> <laughs> well, our check is paid. Let's go. They just passed the head waiter. We can probably catch them in the foyer before they get into the street. All right, but after we do catch them, then what? That all depends on whether I did get a signal from the lady. Well, here we are. Too late, Vance. They've already gone out the street door. Mm. Oh, no, no, the man is still here. You see that chap, the one with the scar? Oh, there he is, sitting over there in that chair. The man is still here. That's the breaks I get. <laughs> Come with me a minute, will you? Right. I beg your pardon, sir. Well, what is it? The young lady you were dining with. Would you mind telling me where she is? What are you talking about? He's talking about the young lady you were dining with. We've been watching the two of you inside for over an hour. I'm very sorry, but I'm afraid you gentlemen were mistaken. What do you mean? I haven't been with any young lady all evening. Tell the sergeant what you told me. No, I, I can't. I can't talk. 
What's going on, Williams? What is all this? This is Miss George Foster, Sergeant. Foster, eh? Was her husband who was murdered a couple of hours ago? That's right. Sergeant Heath is up at her house now, looking the place over. I found her on my beat, crying, just like she is now. So I brought her here to headquarters. I see. Uh, Mrs. Foster. Uh, Mrs. Foster. You want to take it easy, Mrs. Foster. Let Officer Williams take you back to your house. No, no, no. I don't want to go back there. I don't ever want to go back. My husband was shot. I saw him shoot my husband. I don't ever want to go back to that house. You saw who shot your husband, Mrs. Foster? Did you know the man? No, no, I didn't. Can you describe him? Yes. Yes, I know exactly what he looks like. Well, that'll help us find him. Uh, Williams, take down the description Mrs. Foster gives you. Then take her into the rogues gallery and see if she can find the man in our files. We're liable to crack this case without leaving headquarters. Hello, Philo Vance speaking. This is Markham Vance. Are you entirely recovered from that little restaurant scene last night? Not quite. I'd hate to believe that girl wasn't attractive enough to stay in my memory overnight. Don't tell me you found out something about her. No, that isn't the reason for my call. A man named Foster was murdered last evening, Vance, just about the time we were having dinner. Between 7 and 8 o'clock, you mean? Yes, his wife saw the killing, was able to describe the man who fired the shot. More than that, she made a positive identification from a rogues gallery photograph. The killer was a man named Norman James. Really? Yes, really. Well, you're entitled to an easy case once in a while, Markham. This sounds as if you have one. Does it? Well, doesn't it? Listen, the man Mrs. Foster positively identifies as having killed her husband at 7.30 last night is the man we watched every minute between 7 and 8. The man who was dining with that beautiful blonde. on a red nine? A black ten? A black eight. Look, beautiful, babies can play solitaire. Why can't you? Maybe because I'm not a baby. What goes on a red queen? A yellow pumpkin. What? Don't bother me. I'm busy. I'm reading. It's a very good picture of you in the papers, Norman. Ah, it's not so good. Oh, I think it's beautiful. Shows that scar on your face so clear. Daddy. Now, what is it? That Mr. Vance you told me to make eyes at in the restaurant's awful cute. That Mr. Vance happens to be awful smart. You make sure you never talk to him, never see him again. You understand that? But he doesn't know who I am. How could I ever talk to him or see him? You know who he is. Sure. You could go to see him. Only, baby, you're not that stupid, are you? Who says I'm stupid? You do, every time you open your mouth. What? This newspaper says that I'm going to be arrested for murder. Because of you, the district attorney and Philo Vance are going to be my alibi. They'll swear they saw me in the restaurant with you at the time George Foster was shot. Now, Mrs. Foster, please calm down for just one moment. You seem to have made a terrible mistake. It wasn't a mistake, Mr. Markham. I swear it wasn't. I saw the man who killed my husband. It, it was this Norman James, the man whose picture I picked out from the police file. But Mrs. Foster... I couldn't have been mistaken. I saw him. I'll never forget his face when he shot my husband. He did it, I tell you. He did it. Mrs. Foster, I dislike saying this to you, but it would be physically impossible for him to be in the restaurant where I saw him between 7 and 8 o'clock 
and at your house killing your husband at the very same time. Now, wouldn't it? I don't know, and I don't care. And there is a possibility, of course, that Norman James had a twin brother, in which case I can figure out what happened. You're checking into his background now. Look, Mr. Markham, you're the district attorney. You, you, you know all about murders and alibis and all that sort of thing. I don't know anything about them. All I know is my husband was killed, and I saw the man who did it. And that man was Norman James. I swear it was Norman James. I don't doubt either your sincerity or your identification, Mrs. Foster, but there are certain... Excuse me. Come in. Mr. Markham? Yes, Williams, what is it? We made a thorough check on Norman James' background, Mr. Markham. He was an only child. No brothers or sisters, twin or any other kind. That's definite. I see. Uh, Thank you, Williams. Right. Well, now what? So the man had no twin brother. I, I, I saw him kill my husband. And you say you saw him in the restaurant at the same time. I not only saw him, I spoke to him in the foyer. Well, well, then what does this mean? Mrs. Foster, I say to you in all sincerity, I wish I knew. Daddy, I've got it. What? A black two goes on a red three, right? Betty, baby, you're a genius. Then take me out somewhere for dinner. Geniuses get hungry, too, you know. You're going to stay right here in your apartment. You'll have your dinner sent in. You're not going to move out of this place until I say so. Oh, why do I have to stay right here in my apartment? Why can't I go out? You can go out during the day, but keep away from any place where a man might see you. Oh? I don't want Philo Vance tracking you down. I don't want them talking to you. I never talk to strangers. Somehow, Betty, baby, what you have makes strangers talk to you. Hmm? Right now, I'm on easy street. Nobody's got a thing on me. And except for one little detail, I'm completely in the clear. Hey, who could that be? Could be the detail I was talking about. Right on time, too. I'll go to the door. You take my gun out of my top coat pocket. Uh-huh. You'll find a silencer in the other pocket. Screw down the end. Uh, which end? Never mind. I'll do it myself. Oh, I... I'm coming. Hold everything. I'll get you gun and silencer out. You can put it on yourself. All right, all right. Hi. Hi. You know, Betty. Sure. Pleased to meet you. You know that guy, dope. Oh. Well, James, you know why I'm here? I most certainly do, and you're right on time. You came for the payoff, right? That's right. Here's the gun and silencer, Dad. What's that for? Nothing. I just want to keep them in my suit pocket, that's all. How much would you say I owed you? What you promised, $5,000. Your life is worth that, isn't it? Yes, it is. But your life isn't. Hey, don't! (coughs) Gee, Daddy. Is he dead? Wait a minute while I make sure. Yeah, he's dead all right. Gee, alive one minute and dead the next. That's life, isn't it? Yes, my brilliant accomplice, it is. You know, Daddy, when you said for me to get you that gun, I was scared. Why? I thought maybe you were going to kill me. Why would I kill you, genius? Why? Yeah. Well, because. Because I know too much. Almost the morgue, Vance. You want to tell me now why you developed a sudden interest in a very ordinary shooting? Yes, Markham. 
You called me a little while ago to tell me that an ex-heavyweight fighter named Joe Stockton had been found shot to death. That's right. After quitting the ring, Stockton became a strong-arm man for a racket gang. This sounded to me like just an ordinary gangland rub-out. I called you only because I'd promised to advise you of anything that happened since George Foster was killed. That, of course, is the mysterious murder that has me confused. You've got a lot of company. Oh? Mrs. Foster positively identifies Norman James as her husband's murderer. And we saw James in a restaurant at the time of the murder. Now, how can that be? It can be very easily. It can? Yes. Well, maybe you'd better tell me as long as it's so easy. Well... This Joe Stockton, the one whose body we're going to see, he's about five feet ten. Just about. Heavy set. Yes, why? Practically bald, about forty. Why, yes. How did you know? I didn't know. I merely surmised. Oh. And I also more than surmise now that I can give you the details of how Norman James could have killed George Foster. One more question. Did Stockton have a scar on his cheek? Definitely not. Oh. What's the O for? It's for the sudden collapse of a beautiful theory. I take back all my previous questions, Markham. They mean absolutely nothing now. I'm afraid I don't know how Norman James could be in two places at once after all. Nor do I know how I can ever again find that beautiful blonde. <laughs> This is District Attorney Markham. The Scarface murder case opened with the killing of George Foster. Foster's wife, who saw the murder, positively identifies Norman James, still at liberty, as her husband's killer. But Vance and I are certain we saw James in a restaurant at the time of the murder. The killing of a petty racket strong-arm man proves no clue, even though Philo Vance believed it might at first. At the moment, Vance and I are questioning Mrs. Foster again. Neither Mr. Markham nor I are doubting you, Mrs. Foster. But what reason did Norman James have to kill your husband? The reason, the reason. Is the reason important? I saw him do it. Isn't that enough? Not with the situation we find ourselves in, Mrs. Foster. Well... It'll be your word against his, and he has us to back up his alibi. Perhaps your giving us a reason for his killing your husband might help us. All right. My husband borrowed money from Norman James. I never knew his name, but I'd seen his face when he came to the house. My husband was supposed to pay him a very high interest rate, and he couldn't pay it. He couldn't pay James back, so he was killed. So that's Norman James's racket. That's right. Mm. That second murder could have explained all this so easily, Markham. But it didn't. What are we going to do to break James's alibi, Vance? If I could find that blonde he was with at the restaurant, that might do it. I don't see how. I do, but it's too early for me to explain. Lend me an officer from the homicide department, a telephone book, and I might be able to locate her. You don't know her name? No, nor where she lives, but let me have what I asked for, and there's still a chance I can trace her for you. For me? Oh, I beg your pardon. For both of us. <laughs> all, sir. Shave, haircut, massage, all finished. Pay the cashier, will you, please? Yes, I would. Who's next, please? 
I am, Charlie. Ah, oh, it's you, Mr. James. Uh, you want a shave, maybe? I want something, Charlie. But there's no maybe about it. You owe me a hundred bucks. I want the hundred or ten bucks interest. Uh, Mr. James, I wanted to ask you something. Things are a little tough. They're tough for me, too. If you wanted the money, you asked me for it. You got it. You know you'd have to pay me, didn't you? Yes. Well, what are you waiting for? I haven't got it, Mr. James. Maybe I'll have it for you tomorrow. Tomorrow, huh? Yeah, tomorrow, sure. Give me another day, will you, Mr. James? Just one more day. Okay. That'll be two bucks more interest for that extra day. I'll be back tomorrow about this time. Better have the money, Charlie. Or the interest. I'll try. If it'll help any in your trying. Remember what happened to George Foster. He owed me money and he didn't pay. So I paid him off. Thank you. Goodbye. Well, any luck, Williams? Oh, Mr. Vance. Any more numbers for me to call? There are only about three more on my list. I think I'll make the next call myself. Okay, you try for luck. Here's the phone. Thanks. Let's see. We called about 30 numbers, didn't we, Mr. Vance? So far, yes. I'm sure this has to work. Oh, maybe if I knew what you were trying to do... Shh. How do you do? My name is Philo Vance. I'm trying to find a girl. I wish you luck, brother. Happy hunting. Just a moment, please. I'm hoping that this particular girl is one of your customers. Well, what's her name? Well, I don't know. Oh, you're a big help. What's she look like? She's blonde. That's big news. I'd say she was the kind of girl who'd come into your establishment about three times a week. Does that help any? Well, it might. Give me a little bit more to work on. She's about five foot eight, very attractive... Very smart dresser. Her hair is blonde, but not golden. Platinum, huh? Dark eyebrows, nice mouth, gray eyes. Well, I don't know what color her eyes are. Uh, Do you know somebody that answers that description? Yes. Well, that's fine. (laughs) Does that make me a landmark for tourists? You are. As far as I'm concerned, I'm coming down to see you right away. District Attorney, you've got to help me. Norman James will kill me, just like he killed George Foster. He'll kill me. I know, Charlie. I heard you. You're a barber, and you borrowed money from James and can't pay him back. Is that it? Well, he lends money to a lot of us people. Barbers, newsstand men, taxi drivers. Well, we have no security, so he charges us high interest. And when we don't pay, he has us beaten up. He killed George Foster. He told me he did. You gotta protect me. You gotta arrest him. I could arrest him, of course. I could have had him arrested when Foster's wife identified him for us. But I'm sure I can't make a charge stick against him. Well, what does that mean? That he can take me out and kill me if he wants? No, I'll see that you're protected all day tomorrow and up until the time when Philo Vance gets the evidence he needs against James. Why can't you arrest him? Why don't you put him in jail? He threatened me, didn't he? Charging those high rates of interest is illegal, isn't it? Why can't you arrest him? Perhaps I will. In any event, Charlie, you have nothing to worry about. I give you my word that you won't be bothered by Norman James again. Daddy. Oh, bother me, will you? <laughs> A lot of men say I bother them. Isn't that silly? Everything they put in your face, they left out in your head, kid. I bet you don't think I have any brains. That's the only bet you ever made that you had a chance of winning. What do you want? I want to go out. With two. The beauty parlor, what do you think? Gee, you're stupid. Yeah, I know. We've been to the beauty parlor once this week already. 
You said I could go any place where there weren't any men, didn't you? Well... Well, there's no men in a beauty parlor except Antoine. He just does my hair. You need wake on the inside of your head, kid. Oh, can I go, Daddy? It's only right down the street. I'll be back in a couple of hours. It doesn't take long for my hair to dry. Okay, okay, go ahead. You'll pester me to death if I don't let you. Oh, thanks. When I go down to see Charlie the Bobby, you'll sneak out anyhow. (laughs) So go ahead. I'll pick you up there. Okay. What are you going to have done? I think I'll have my hair just a shade lighter. Don't you think that'll be becoming? I guess Just a so. shade lighter. I don't know. Where I sit, you're lightheaded and up already. You know something? I don't mind sitting under this hair dryer at all. Not a bit. I am glad, madame. Madame? Yes. I'm not a madame. I'm more of a... Whatever it is, it means I'm younger. Yes, miss. You know, you're cheating me. You ain't French. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. I like you. I like you as well as I liked Antoine. Except your mustache is cuter. <laughs> I think I'll have you every time I come in here. I'm a very good tipper. Oh, I'm sure you are. Oh, I'm sleepy. Noise from that dryer makes me sleepy. <laughs> well, why not sleep a little then? I can't noise from the dryer keeps me awake. Oh. Can you play solitaire? Mm, I imagine so. I just learned to play. That's quite an achievement. <laughs> sure, amazed Daddy. Daddy? Oh, forgot you're new here. I met Mr. James. He's waiting for me downstairs. I hope he won't mind waiting a little longer. He'll wait. Got a lot of patience. He has to have with me. The only time he doesn't have any patience is when he's jealous. Oh, he's jealous? I'll say. He killed a guy just because he took me out once. How do you like that? Joe Stockton? That's a guy. Uh-huh. Say, you read the papers, don't you? So do I. Gee, the things you can learn. Yes, I know. From other things besides newspapers. What? Oh, it doesn't matter. You say your friend Mr. James is waiting for you downstairs? Yeah, but he won't mind. Well, we won't keep him waiting long. I'll just turn the dryer up a little so we can get everything over in a hurry. There's Daddy. I mean, Mr. James. That's nice. Standing over there in the doorway waiting for me, just like I said he would be. Oh, thank you very much for doing my hair so well. Oh, it's quite all right. And I think I want a word with your daddy. Sure, I'll get him. Daddy! Yeah, baby? Come on over here. Look, kid, let's get moving. We got a... This nice man wants to speak to you. He just did my hair. Don't you think it looks beautiful? Hello, James. We meet again. Your father, Vance. That's right. And after what your friend here just told me, I think I've got all I need to turn you over to the district attorney. After what I told you, I didn't tell you anything. Besides, I saw Philo Vance in the restaurant. He didn't have a mustache. The one this guy's wearing comes off. Can't you see it's a phony? Better you dope I could beat I don't think you can do anything at all, James, except come with me to see Mr. Markham. That's one man's opinion. Betty talked you're smart enough to put everything together. I'm getting out of here. I doubt that. Okay, Vance, let's play rough. All right. Oh, you killed him, Vance. You killed Daddy. No, my dear, I didn't. I just knocked him out. I didn't kill him. I wouldn't dream of sparing the state all that trouble.
patient man, Vance, a very patient man, but I'm also a very curious one. Now, we know from his confession and, and from what his girl Betty told us that Norman James did kill George Foster and later the ex-prize fighter Joe Stockton. But we did see James in the restaurant at the time Foster was killed. Did we? Of course we did. He was sitting over in a corner with his girl. The girl was making eyes at you, uh, you claimed. Then they left, we followed, and there was James sitting in the foyer. Hmm. Markham, do you remember why I thought the prize fighter Joe Stockton would have a scar on his cheek when we were en route to the morgue to identify him? Yes, but he didn't have. I told you that. It was Joe Stockton who was in the restaurant, Markham, not Norman James. Don't tell me that. I spoke to James myself. So did you, in the foyer. Oh, that was Norman James. But the man in the restaurant, the one we saw with the girl between seven and eight, was Joe Stockton. Stockton? He was built like James, sat in the shadows so we couldn't really see his face, and he made sure we noticed the scar on it. You mean the scar was just makeup that was put on Joe's cheek? Exactly. Now, here's what happened. The girl had instructions to attract my attention. Your attention, that is, because you're the district attorney... And you were to be Norman James' alibi. I see. It was all set up for us to follow the two of them out the door. Then they were to disappear into the street, and Norman James was to be found by us seated in the restaurant foyer. He denied there had been a girl with him to intrigue us, to make sure we remembered him. That was the plan, and it worked. Yes. You see, James had time to kill George Foster between 7 and 8 and get to the restaurant afterwards, just as we were leaving. And then later, James had to kill Joe because of the possibility that Joe would either blackmail him or talk in the future. That's right. Huh? It was a very clever plan, and it almost worked. I figured the girl would be a key to all of this, and I also knew that a girl such as she would be a beauty parlor addict. She'd go to one several times a week, probably a swanky one. So I called all the better beauty parlors in Midtown and finally found the right one. You most certainly did. That was quite a trick, finding a girl in a big city without knowing anything about her. Thank you. After I found her, I also found a way of making her talk. The result you know. She put Norman James right in the middle of a double murder rap. Put him in the middle and us at the end of the Scarface murder case. Welcome back. Well, we can add being a talented hairdresser to the list of Follow Vance's many talents. This is an interesting case because the villain's plan kind of defeated itself because essentially he wanted to draw attention to himself with the beautiful woman. 
but she was so distinct that it was uh, amazingly easy for Vance to track her down. I think it'd be hard to locate even a very distinct woman in New York City using the method Vance used, but what do I know? One thing that's really odd about their dynamic is the way that she called uh, Scarface Daddy was strangely reminiscent of Baby Snooks, a radio program and one of the more memorable uh, comedic series of skits, both on her own show and as a sketch on other programs such as the uh, Maxwell House Good News program where Fanny Bryce played a little girl named Snooks who was very mischievous and said daddy in the exact same way the character in this story did. And I have no idea why they adopted that particular verbal tick. But at any rate, we turn now to listener comments and feedback, and we have a comment on YouTube regarding Meet Miss Sherlock, and a comment from Cantiflas, I hope I'm pronouncing the name correctly, she writes, Adam, I've been listening to you for years and love what you do. Literally, I start every day with you and have for about eight years. Usually, when you introduce us to a new radio show, I always am able to find something positive about it. Even taking into account sometimes, you can hear things that make you go, Ew, glad we've evolved since then. But I'm struggling with uh, Meet Miss Sherlock. In a series where she should be the lead, she feels like a secondary player at best. While I appreciate... Uh, the exposure to the new radio shows, I uh, can say this is one that only gets one spin on the dance floor with me. Uh, keep rocking and doing what you do. Well, thanks so much. And I definitely think that it's a valid criticism of the program that the episodes that we have, Jane Sherlock not really being the central character or the key mover in the story. Even though there's kind of like a last minute bit of writing which indicates that maybe she played a bigger role in the final outcome, even if it wasn't obvious. I do wonder whether the entire series was like this, because we only have two episodes of the series and there were probably something like 30 or 40 made. Or is this generally representative of the role she had in the series? We'll likely never know, but I think what you said is definitely a fair point. It didn't ruin the series for me. I enjoyed it well enough, but I can definitely see how you came at it. Uh, thank you so much for your comment, and now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Doug, Patreon supporter since July of 2021, currently supporting the program at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Doug. And that will do it for today. A reminder, if you want to be sure to never miss an episode of the podcast, I encourage you to follow us using your favorite podcast software. And if you are enjoying this podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. We will be back next Thursday with another episode of Philo Vance, but join us back here tomorrow for the conclusion of the Chesapeake fraud matter, where... If he was trying to cover something, it certainly wasn't apparent from his conversational reactions. There had been a moment when I was sure he wasn't Frank Bauer. On the other hand, I was sure that he wasn't John Ridden.
That cuts it, Johnny. Right thumb and index prints don't match at all. <sighs> oh, not even close, George. And I thought I was getting somewhere. I found out he was never in Toledo, or at least never registered or licensed as an engineer. Well, these prints do it. When are you going home, Johnny? Oh, I don't know. There's no reason to stick around any longer. This is crazy. You proved your case with the prints. He was too anxious to help me prove it, Georgie. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.